1: Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Running Rugby Podcast. Just got myself and Toby with you today. Unfortunately, Leo wasn't around to join us. I've uh, got a bit to discuss on today's show. We've got to look back at that uh, weekend with the Australian drama in Yokohama. Oh, nice little bit of uh, alliteration there. As well as some of the Provincial Cups finals. Uh, we'll have all those results as we look forward to the Wallabies going on their official sort of spring tour and their squads being announced as well. Uh, just a shout out reminder. Jump on your Instagram, jump on Facebook, follow us at Running Rugby Podcast and on Twitter at Running Rugby Pod. Lots of news and results and keeping up to date with everything that's going on in Wallaby's camp and around world rugby with that. But Toby, New Zealand 37, Australia 20. Seems like another tale of every Blood is Low Cup. What do you think of this one? Was it any different? Anything to take away?
0: Well, I think in isolation there's probably some takeaways there, but... Mate, I felt like I was really watching the same game that I've watched for the last couple of years. And mm-hmm. in some ways, I I did last week on the pod, I, I picked the Wallabies to win, and I was optimistic at the beginning. I thought, you know, we look like we came out with intent. But it was just the All Blacks in those key moments. Again, they perform when they need to. They just snatch tries out of nowhere. They can just execute straight off offset piece. And even though our defense was improved, I think we just... We couldn't score enough points. We didn't take our opportunities as we're kind of getting used to with the Wallabies. They've been a little bit passive in those moments or just, you know, made little errors when it really matters. So that was disappointing, though I think, you know, you could tell by the mood of the camp a little bit and in the press conference that Cheka was a little bit more happy with the p- performance this week. Mm. Um, I think they had, you know, there's been a lot of pressure on them. There was some pressure to perform in this game. I think they did improve. I think there's going to be better things to come on this spring tour. I think being over in Europe, although there is pressure there, I think you know, the fact we're not playing the All Blacks would be a different style of play up there. And I think it could actually, with our physicality and with some of our explosive backline play, I think we could take advantage of these Northern Hemisphere teams.
1: Yeah, well... Like I was saying last week, I'd, I'd prefer to lose this game and then have that really strong spring tour. And it sounds like it might be good for some of these boys to get away from maybe the Australian media and things down here that have put a lot of pressure on them. You heard Checker talk before about sort of the mental pressures and strains they've been under um, after a couple of losses this year and how that helped after that Argentina thing. So you think getting away and, as you said, getting up to Europe might sort of help with that i gotta, hmm. I got to agree, we definitely looked better at the start. We had some good sort of defensive things. We were really holding them well. I think our tackling was a lot better. We were making a lot more dominant tackles. But I guess that they were just holding on to the ball early on. That's what led to that Liam Squire try. And we had to wait all the way until um, the shadows of half time before Sefer managed to get one back, which is nice to see him coming back into the team and getting that last... Pass and um, Beatty passing it to him as well. It was nice to see some hands from winger to winger um, to bring that halftime score, 17-10, and it felt like we were sort of still in it. But second half, you're right, they just capitalised on some chances. Tolu Latu with the yellow card after the or open palm strike to Cody Taylor's face. Um, some, some have questioned, I know Phil Kearns has come out and questioned the, that decision, whether both players deserve to have cards or none at all. Um, but that sort of put a bit of pressure and probably shut down any sort of hopes of a miracle comeback.
0: Yeah. And the amount of times we kind of picked up a yellow card in that 65th or 70th minute, like it, it's, it's starting to come back to bite us and we do need to be mindful of our discipline. And that's, that's the fine balance between coming out with intent and aggression. And then also being able to just stop yourself in those moments where things are getting a bit heated. You need to step back and think, all right, I can't take it too far here. Um the All Blacks are particularly good at that. They're good at the niggle. They're good at kind of pushing the envelope as far as they can and then, you know, pleading to the referee if we retaliate and, you know, really showing that look they were just kind of they were playing in the spirit of the game and we took it too far. Um, you know, Latu it's a shame he, he did catch him in the in the face and I think the referee probably didn't have any choice in in sending him off there. Um, it is it it's hard because I think in the past, and and also in different sports like in rugby league or AFL, we see certain things like this with an open hand, kind of palm to the face or chest or whatever, and it it kind of gets swept under the rug more. Mm. But in rugby union, there's just more there's there's more strict rules on that, and so we've got to respect the game in that. I mean, it does look a little bit soft, but it's it, we just can't be doing things that are stupid like this, particularly against the All Blacks. So. Um, we can't really yeah, I think at at that moment probably the game was gone a little bit. We even managed to score when Latu was off funnily enough. So mm. that was only our second try. We only scored two tries in this game and I mean it comes down again. Look, we need to score more points.
1: Yeah, twenty. I think points look, is we worked enough.
0: on our exactly, twenty points is not enough. I think you've probably got to be scoring at least thirty points to be you know, have a good chance of beating the all blacks and we just weren't close enough to that. Um but like I think look, we've got to take away the good things from this game. Um like you say, Sefer, I thought was quite impressive in his comeback game. Mm-hmm. I think he was a little bit rusty still. Um but you know he did he he offers the same kind of characteristics that Korobedi does in terms of that really hard nosed defence, some good chases for kicks, and he just knows how to finish. Like these two wingers, they get their body height low they kind of know how to score right in the corner there like often you know these guys in league do all the time mm. and i think that's really valuable like we've kind of forgotten about that you know there there are times where we're not playing specialist wingers and sometimes they don't finish in the same way so i think that was really good to see from him and i think he's going to have a good spring tour hopefully
1: yeah i think so other probably storylines here and probably other things to um, be happy about we had um, Karevi's coming back on the field looked quite potent beating sort of multiple defenders sometimes and he was probably the main reason setting up that that try for Israel Folau late
0: Yeah, that's right. I think Karevi he was surprising because we talked about this we were debating You know if the guys that not a hundred percent fitness should he even be named in the 23? Mm. I think it came down to the fact look we didn't have enough player stocks not to be naming him there Um, John Bataille is still very young you can see him he's coming to the squad now he can cover 13 as well but I was I was impressed by Karevi you know whether he's up to playing 80 minutes just yet I'm I'm not sure I think he'll probably maybe come off the bench a couple more times but it's it's good to see him come back he's he didn't show any real signs of of being hampered by that I think it was actually a bicep I said last week it was an elbow but I think it's a bicep yeah he had surgery on that um so look some good signs I I think we didn't probably see enough of someone like Tom Banks. I think he probably still needs more of an opportunity. Mm. Put a good kick in there towards the end but um yeah DHP look I think he's still probably done enough to keep his spot but he's not quite in the the rich vein, vein of thorn that he was a few weeks ago or you know a month or two ago so there might be an opportunity there for Tom Banks.
1: Yeah. Well, I think what we saw from Karevri is what we know he can do. He's an attacking power. He beats defenders and he can get those offloads going. The question is more being at 13 whether his defence is up to standard. And we didn't really see that too tested in this game. Um, The other probably bright light is Jack Dempsey returned off the bench. uh, Had a couple of good strong runs. uh, Looked like he's being as physical as ever and was actually... Um, quite dominant in a few of his tackles as well. So I saw a lot of that stuff that I liked out of him as well.
0: Yeah, I think the standout guys off the bench were Dempsey, Karevi, probably Tong and Thor as well. Mm-hmm. I think he stepped up a little bit here and did actually make an impact. I think he was really looking to carry the ball. I still, look, I don't know what you think about this, but I'm still struggling to see how Arnold is justifying his place in the team at this point. Um, he, just, he he should have that impact, that really strong presence when he comes on, and I just don't see it. Mm. Um, so I know we tend to whinge about Rob Simmons, but he actually stood up in this game, and I think he played pretty well. Um, Check had kind of sent a message to him before the game and picked him and said, look, we need this guy to perform, and I think he did. Um, so... Colin, obviously I think he'll be probably back into the starting team with Rodder, but you've got to think that Simmons is probably gonna be you know, he's still in the top three locks in the country at the moment. Mm-hmm. He's got like guys like Rory Arnold not really stepping up enough to displace guys like that.
1: Yeah, there's no he does have these games where he comes out and is very physical and dominant, but he has also games where you don't really notice him. Um Yeah. And that's probably what caused him not to get the start in this when Adam Coleman got forced out um, with a groin injury late. So Rob Simmons took that starting role. But he, he definitely didn't do anything too wrong in that regard. Um, our line-out still isn't what it should be, but it seems like throwing is probably still a big issue for us. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have that consistent um, good thrower uh, between Falao starting and Tolu Latu even when he came on. Uh, we were still struggling mm. in that regard.
0: It's true. I think and it's it's it is a problem when you're changing hookers and straight away they're having problems. Like it's like they do need three or four throws before they kinda of get their, their aim right and you just mm. can't afford to have that in a in a test match. Um Falau Fang is probably a little bit more accurate than Tolu Latu, but Tolu probably offers a little more round the field and maybe scrummaging. So at the moment Fang is probably Best to start, I think, and then we still get that impact from Tolu. Um, but as we'll talk about probably next week, I think Pilota now will be will be joining them. I don't know if he's joined them already over there in Japan, but um, he'll kind of solidify those hooking stocks as well. And I think there's probably, you know, he's going to be there next year for the World Cup. You got to think so. He's probably still the number one choice if he's fully fit. Um, but it's 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 hard because I think. BPA is, is one guy, like we talked about before, I feel a bit sorry for um, because it, it seems like he might even drop out of this, this tour. They're going to cut down the squad that was announced during the week. Wouldn't be surprised if BPA has to miss out, which is a bit of a shame.
1: Well, let's move on. Obviously, that tour train-on squad has been announced. And as you said, it's getting cut down. What One thing I did notice, which... I don't know if there's an oversight by the guys publishing that, but uh, TPN isn't actually named in this initial squad. Um, they do have the other three hookers named, but um, Tatafu Pilota now isn't named, while other players from Europe like Matt Tomoa, uh is still named on that. So I'm not really sure what's going on there, but you would expect him to be joining this, uh, whether that's sort of in a week or two or what, what we have you. But... Other names that uh, still continue to be there: Jed Holloway and Jake Gordon um, retaining places at the moment. Uh, there, um, they, along with Jordan Patea, as we've mentioned, are the uncapped players. And Rob Valentini has been named as the development player. That's really good to
0: see. We, we're a big fan of Rob Valentini. He's a bit of a hitman. I think he's really going to, you know, impress some people when he gets onto the the world stage in these test matches. Hopefully he gets over to Europe and he's not just there for this stint um, before they, they make their way to Wales. But yeah, you're right. I think TPN, um, I think he might still be over in the UK training, um, whereas Tamil was able to, to come and join the broader squad. So that might be a reason for not actually naming him on that list or initial list. Um I read during the week the week that um the Jet actually might be the be one to miss out as well, which is a shame. I think We could really use a a ball carrying back rower. But having said that, um, you know, I think Jack Dempsey was impressive on the weekend and he offers that that kind of ball carrying ability as well. And so does Rob Valentini. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean even even if we lose Jed, hopefully we keep Valentini and we keep Jack there to to really, I think, bolster
1: that that area. Well, he, yeah, Valentini's been named as that development player, so named not to play but just to spend time around the squad. And you've seen people like Jack Maddox in the past um, fulfilling that role. Um, and then looks like the next year they usually take that step up and uh in that mm. sort of wallaby squad um, throughout the year. But would be a shame to see Jed sort of miss out. Also feeling a bit, sorry, Caleb Timu, um, not even named in this initial squad. Uh, so that's sort of two, two number eights so these big ball runners that we're sort of missing out. And you wonder whether that's... I know we're, we're a team that we play sort of um, Pocock and Hooper on at the same time, but whether that's just limiting our chances to go back to this big ball-carrying number eight in the future.
0: Yeah, and a lot of people have argued that, that they think that Pocock should be playing seven and Hooper probably needs to miss out and, and come off the bench. Um, it's hard because they're both world-class players. Um, so at this stage, with our lack of depth, it's, it's probably hard to leave one of them out of the, the 15. But I could see an argument where you you start with Pocock at seven, you have two bigger ball carriers at six and eight with, with line-out options alongside that, and then bring on Hooper as we do with some of these other impact players in the second half. So you've got guys like, I don't know, you got Tong and Thor coming on, you got Tolu coming on, you got Hoops coming on. Like you could really lift the tempo tempo of the game doing that. Mm. So that's probably another strategy to think about. I just don't know if we're quite there or at that stage at trusting another guy to step up in that back row starting. I think even Hannigan's probably you know, he's just holding on to his place, but I don't think he's setting the world on fire at all. So That's right. to actually have two, two guys of that kind of level, I think might be stretching it a bit. So I can see why they're not going down that path. But who knows, next year is a whole other proposition.
1: If, if we're not getting the results, they may just be forced to kind of shake that up a bit. Mm, I guess, yeah, no one has actually forced their way into that starting 15 and forced that move at the moment. It'd be more changing um, because we need something different more. Than out of necessity, because one person is impossible to leave out of that starting lineup. The other name that we haven't mentioned yet, which was a bit of a surprise to a few of us, but Adam Ashley Cooper, Swoopy, Two Dads, whatever you want to call him, has been named to come on this spring tour. And you may argue that it's an experience call, giving someone to mentor the players, but no, check has come out and he said that the reason that he's named is because he has the opportunity to play. Uh, For the Wallabies on this spring tour
0: Yeah and I love it I think it's a great option I think particularly with the state that we're in at the moment We really could use some more leadership around the group Um, Someone with a bit of swagger With confidence Who's done all these things And been successful over a long period of time I think it's an excellent opportunity Just to add some knowledge and experience to the squad And like you say I think he's going to play I, I hope he gets some time you know over in Europe but looking towards next year it looks like he's going to sign with the Waratahs he's already eligible anyway mm. under under the Gitto rule so either way even if he doesn't sign here in Australia for next next year um, he's going to be in and around the team and I think it's a it's a positive move we we're not going to get guys like Drew back we're not going to get guys like Gitto back I don't think so Adam Ashley Cooper is kind of the last of that generation um, and I think it's going to be really beneficial don 't know what your thoughts are, whether you have any sort of um converse arguments to that, but from my perspective, I think it's a great move
1: yeah i mean you you wonder with um whether we should be looking to bring up younger people and whether he 's taking the place of something we someone we'd prefer to be there but it's hard to argue with the fact that look we don't have Reese Hodge there after the break broken ankle look um Kurindrani is also missing out there. So we are missing uh, two of our sort of top choice sort of 13s to have someone like that with that experience to come into that position in the squad who can cover your wing. And you talk about um, people with that try-scoring mentality. Um, Adam Ashley Cooper is probably the number, one of the top ones you can think of in Wallaby history that had that nose for the try line and always knew how to get the ball across the line when he's getting the ball 5, 10 metres out. Yeah,
0: and he was always one to perform well against the All blacks which i I think I pointed out in the past basically that he has a very good strike rate when he's playing New Zealand teams both in super rugby and internationally so I think that's that's also something we need particularly if we're we're looking to go deep into this World Cup next year. We need guys that are used to winning um I think he offers that and look I think he's he's going to be really. Good to be able to kind of mentor Jordan Patea, guys like that, that are looking to fill that 13 spot. Mm. I think even if Adam Ashley Cooper doesn't get a minute of time on this tour, he'll still be happy enough to be around the group and pushing everyone, you know, pushing these these outside backs as hard as they can go. Um, yeah, I think it particularly even with Tom Banks, I think there's another young guy that could use some some direction. And I think you got guys like Israel Falau that maybe aren't even though they're they're great Um, independent players in their own right in terms of talent. I'm not sure they're the guys that are getting around some of these younger guys that they're not familiar with and really inspiring them. I think maybe he's he's a bit of a quieter guy and he probably Mm. works on his own game a bit more. Whereas Adam Ashley Cooper is just, I don't know, he's a man of the people, I think, and he, he gets everyone around him, he gets talking, he kind of breaks the ice with people and he's always been one to kind of really have... I think um, the the interests of the Wallabies at heart and the interests of the team. So I think I can't say enough good things about it. I think we can reserve our judgment to his individual play um, once he kind of gets another opportunity in the Wallabies jersey. But for now, even if it's more in a training capacity, I think it's really helpful.
1: Yeah, and it probably does give Checker that early indication of whether he's at a level that he would want to include him in next year's World Cup plans rather than, bringing back, say, for the Rugby Championship or naming him in the World Cup squad just off the bat in any case. Exactly, exactly. But we obviously have a week off before uh, we get to see the Wallabies play again. We do have a couple of internationals this weekend. We have Japan uh, taking on the All Blacks, probably what we'll expect to be an All Blacks more second team with them taking that extended squad through Japan. Uh, Wales uh, hosting Scotland. Um, England are hosting South Africa, probably in the biggest game of the weekend, and Ireland uh, head over to Chicago Soldier Field and uh, in their sort of, I guess, home home turf um, versus Italy.
0: Yeah, and it's gonna, it's going to be interesting because I think now that Ireland have made that they made that um, you know breakthrough against New Zealand in Chicago, they're happy to go back. They're being welcomed back as more of a you know locally supported team now. and I think also there's there's some interest from Boston in terms of getting games there more regularly but it's kind of good to see growing the game in the US I think mm-hmm. the more exposure the better um Archgaard, I think we should make some picks for these I think obviously Japan New Zealand I think that's probably a foregone conclusion you'd yeah. like to see the Japan be competitive but mm. you know with the amount of depth that the All Blacks have they can fill two teams pretty easily um, so I'm going to obviously take New Zealand. What about you? you taking New Zealand with this one?
1: Yeah, unfortunately the Cherry Blossoms, since uh, s- since they did have that historic win in the last World Cup under Eddie Jones, um, they haven't quite maintained up that standard. Uh, I think we'll see a stronger showing after having the Sunwolves in, in Super Rugby. Um, they just have a bit more exposure to playing these players than playing the New Zealand players. Um, but yeah, you'd still expect to see... Um the all blacks take this one fairly easily. Yeah, and then we go
0: over obviously the another pretty pretty decent game here, Wales versus Scotland coming out of um Cardiff there at Principality Stadium. This one's a tough one to pick for mm. for mine. I think Wales actually had a pretty good win, I think, against Scotland. Um at, at in the Six Nations yeah, this they year. Did. And that was in Wales as well. Impressive win. And I think Wales have been punching above their weight a little bit. However, they haven't really faced a lot of tough opposition since the start of the year. So I, I just saw Scotland's team come out earlier today. Um, there's quite a few changes to that that team that we, we were actually there to see um, them beat the Wallabies the end of last year, comprehensively the record score against the Wallabies. So, look, I'm going to take Wales in this one. I haven't even seen their team sheet, but I think... Being at home, I give them the edge there, so I'm gonna gonna pick them.
1: Yeah, I'm just pulling up the Scotland team to have a look at itself, and you're right. There is a few changes. You you don't you're not seeing Finn Russell in at ten. You don't have um, Stuart Hogg in at the back there. Uh, you have a couple of their sort of forwards that have maintained sort of spots there. But look, I've I've been a big believer in what Scotland have been doing and just the belief they've been having. So I'd like to see Scotland go in there and um, take a bit of a scalp, take Wales at home. So I think Scotland might be able to get this one, but I'm interested to see what this one looks like.
0: Yeah, and you've got to, you've got to really think whether Wales, will they be playing a full-strength team for this one, and will they kind of mix it up a bit, knowing they've got the Wallabies next week, um, which is a huge game, obviously. Um, it, I'm, I'm going to be keen to see what Wales do in this, And how they're preparing for the Wallabies Because they'd be so keen to beat them So interesting game for sure Um, Then we move across to My hometown here in London At the moment they've got England Are taking on South Africa at Twickenham Mm. um, In mid-afternoon And look another Continuation of a bit of a rivalry Here at the moment you had South Africa Win the series there this year Against England at home 2-1 And now they're playing again So I don't know man I've Eddie Jones has picked a pretty interesting squad. He's he's kind of he's kind of gone with um a lot of the usual suspects I think in his squad um but made a few few changes here and there. I'm I'm actually going to I think pick South Africa here. I I think they've had a pretty good rugby championship a pretty good year overall um and hopefully they can keep keep that going against England and Twickenham.
1: Mm. I saw that uh, Ashton has been named in the England squad. I don't know if he's going to make a start. Do you think? Do you think we'll see Ashton return to the English jersey in this game?
0: Mate, well, he's a guy that everyone seems to hate. Eddie Jones likes to pick these type of guys. He's got Owen Farrell as the vice captain and Dylan Hartley as the captain. Guys with with quite suspect pasts in some ways in terms of the, their behaviour and their character. So. Look, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him there. He's still got the pace. He He's one of the highest try scorers domestically, I think, in the UK and France, so mm-hmm. he knows how to find the line. Um, and you know how England like to pick these annoying kind of arrogant wingers, so could easily see it happening. <laughs> um, mate, it's, you know, it's, I, we'll, we'll talk about this in the next few episodes, but... I'm going to be there at this Wallabies game versus England this year for the third time in a row. Um, and I just, I want to see England fail. Look, I can't, nothing makes me happier than seeing England fail. Um, so hopefully that happens this weekend. I don't know if they seem to get a roll on in these early games. Um, they're capable of anything and they're capable of putting up points. So we need to keep their confidence down. Mm. And at the moment they have kind of fallen off since last year. Um, so look, Fingers crossed, South Africa bring bring it to them because you know that England are going to be fired up playing at Twickenham. So it's a challenge for any team to go in there and and beat them.
1: Yeah, look, I th- I think you're right. I think South Africa is coming off really true form and they really had the had the muscle on England in those early tests this year. Um, the only reason that England got did get that win, which sort of saved Eddie Jones in some regards. Uh, Is because South Africa has sort of pivoted away from their sort of stronger team and look, switched out people like Andre Pollard for Elton Yankees and s- stayed away from what they've sort of stayed with to, to give them wins over New Zealand and be that competitive in these last couple of games. So I definitely think South Africa should be able to take this one. I'm just looking at the weather. Looks like it's going to be sunny, uh, around 13 degrees on Saturday. Out your way Toad So I think it will be Fine Crisp game for running And I think that benefits The South Africans So I'll take them
0: Definitely And I think it's It's been getting a bit Colder here lately But that's pretty nice Weather for rugby It's not too cold um, And South Africa You know They've they've had lots of Good games under their belt This year So I think that'll Really Really um, Help them along In this one um, Ireland versus Italy Out of Chicago I think, look, it's a pretty easy pick. Mm. Ireland might not even field their, their first string team, but I think, look, they, they should take this one.
1: Yeah, Italy continues to be a little bit disappointing and sort of raises some questions themselves about uh, where they sort of stand in world rugby. Um, these teams are still yet to be named as such, but yeah, I can't see Ireland really having too much issue with them, they may well, as you say, name a slightly under-strength team because they've they've got Argentina coming up uh, in a week after and they'll want to make sure they're, they're looking strong for an Argentinian team that was peaking towards the end of the rugby championship.
0: Yeah, it's, and it's funny. Italy, you, you want to see them improve, particularly in the Six Nations. Like They've been terrible for a long time now, um, but I don't think it's going to happen yet. Um, Ireland are one of the best teams in the world at the moment and they, they seem to be
1: so clinical in what they do lately. It's an interesting tester for a lot of these um, Northern Hemisphere teams that have been out of the game for quite a while. They've had club, and they a lot of them have only had a week or two back in sort of international camp to see how they're faring. Uh, definitely one to watch for us to watch that Wales-Scotland game and see how Wales look um, a week before they come up against us. Yep, The other... News from the weekend was some of the finals in our provincial tournaments. Uh, we had the NRC final uh, that was out of Suva in Fiji, the Curry Cup final over in South Africa, and the Mita Ten Cup. And we have the well, the Fiji drawer for the NRC took their first win ever in the um, national rugby championship, uh, taking down the incumbent champions in Queensland Country, uh, but. This was a close one early, but the Drua continued to show what they can do with, with loose ball and loose play and getting, getting some of those offloads through. And, and they've really had that breakout from their number 10, Vito Carney, and this, this game was no different. He continued to put his mark on the game and um, scored quite a good try in the end. But congratulations to the Fijian Drua. Um, Otherwise, in the Curry Cup, we had the Sharks beating Western Province. And in the Mitre 10 Cup, Auckland taking on Canterbury and coming out victors. So a little bit of glory there for Auckland, which they haven't sort of so much had, uh, especially at super rugby level in the last little while. Yeah, and it was good to see all three kind of provincial championship
0: um, finals on the same weekend. And I know as, as Australian fans, we don't probably completely understand the relevance and the importance of the Curry Cup. And also, I mean... The, We've, we've seen a bit of the Mitre 10 Cup or the NPC, whatever you want to call it. But these kind of competitions are really the... They underpin um, a lot of what these countries are about. And I think that's what we're trying to get to through the NRC. And once we get a bit of history behind that and hopefully some more interest and some more money flowing through it, I think we can get it to a similar level. It's just going to take time. Um, and you've really seen that appetite for... Um, club rugby or even just the tier below super rugby through the shoot shield and competitions like that where people are turning out in droves. Um, so I think that's the goal to kind of be emulating those top domestic competitions. But we've got a ways to go with the NRC, but it's really good to see the Fiji and Drua step up, take a trophy here, and I think just build towards um, a bit more of that visibility around those Pacific Island teams mm. and showing they can succeed in their own backyard and, and they don't need to just send their players away to Super Rugby particularly they can actually support a team and support it well, it's just they need the infrastructure and, and some of the coaching and stuff to go to be going through there um, and you've seen that with the Sevens, you know, with the Fijian Sevens, they're, they're just so good um, because they have the resources and they just seem to know how to, to work things through now but we just need to get that going, I think, in the region a bit more with with um, teams maybe at Super Rugby level that we can integrate.
1: We're definitely on on a pathway to incorporating more and more of those sort of Pacific Island teams, which is, is great to see. Uh, the only other news we really have to probably mention, um, some of the Super Rugby teams have started naming their squads for the 2019 season. So all the New Zealand teams have brought out their squads. Uh, one name that we picked out uh, and if you follow our Instagram, you would have seen as well. But um, young 24-year-old fly-half fullback from the Rebels, Jack Debrasini, has moved over to New Zealand and is named in the Chiefs uh, squad for 2019. Uh, this is after a strong showing playing for Northland in their Mitre 10 sort of um, cup. So we've seen it in some other players moving, moving across the ditch, moving into... Uh, the Kiwi system are having success. Do you think this is a chance for Debrezzini as well?
0: I think it's a smart option, particularly when he's he's probably exhausted a lot of his chances in Australian Super Rugby, which is a bit sad because he does have a lot of potential. Um, but the opportunities he was given in, in Melbourne, he didn't quite step up to the mark. So you've got to wonder with some of this probably different type of coaching that you have in New Zealand and, and some of the, the systems they have in place, whether that will improve his game and kind of bring bring certain things into his game that he didn't have before. Um, because he, he has played in Japan, he's played quite a few years in Super Rugby and he's still only young. So we've seen it with Angus Tarval the Waratahs signed him after he was displaced from Auckland. Um Barely when he did get a game, he made quite a few crucial errors, and then he just ended up being a part of the broader squad before being sent on his way. So it's just crazy that the Chiefs can pick up someone like that after he didn't even start in their squad last or oh, this year. I think he was just signed later on. Yeah,
1: it was unsigned. And then son-
0: Yeah, and then suddenly he's debuting for the All Blacks. Like it mm. just shows you that the coaching systems they have in New Zealand are, are probably the best in the world um so you wonder if that's gonna kind of enhance Jack Debrasini's game you think it would have to um we've seen it also with Sam Lousey being a regular starter for the Hurricanes as well um so there's been a few examples of that I'd be interested to see you know how much of an opportunity you'll get at the Chiefs who knows because there's probably two guys there in front of him at the moment at fly half um but look he's got potential I think that's the thing he, He's a bit of a raw product still, but he's got so much potential, and I think probably the New Zealand teams saw that, and they're, they're looking to capitalise on that.
1: And he's he's eligible for all-black selection, is he? He's he's a Kiwi by birth, is that right? Yeah, he was born in Auckland, and he still has a lot of
0: family there, mm. um, and he, he might have played under-20s for Australia, but he never got close to playing for the Wallabies, so I think he's fair game, to be honest, and you just don't know. Like, obviously, the the New Zealand teams have quite a lot of depth around fullback, around number ten, so he'd probably it'd be tough for him to to get to that All Blacks level. But who knows? Two, three years down the track, if he puts in a few good seasons with the Chiefs, you just don't know. Kind of the sky's the limit there. If you mm-hmm. impress them, they'll go with you. There's no, I guess. There's no kind of stigmatism the fact he's been in Australia. They're not going to look down upon him for that. They're, they're just going to see if he's playing well, then they'll pick him. So mm. that's that's just the thing. I'd, it'd be sad to lose him if he did really improve his game and then ended up playing for the All Blacks. I think that would just point to a lot of the flaws in our coaching systems. So um, let's let's just wait and see. We don't know. Yeah. But
1: it is a very interesting signing by the Chiefs. Definitely, and seeing him... Next to people like Damien McKenzie and Solomon Alamalu and Anton Lynett Brown in in next year's sort of squad, um, you just think that he's going to surround himself with enough talent to have have the best shot to make something of this opportunity. Um, I don't know mm. if we if we mentioned. I mean, we're talking about some of the Australian um, players going across to the key, to New Zealand. Um, I don't think know if we actually mentioned earlier that the Brumbies signed Pulu from. Um, the Chiefs earlier this year, and he'll, he'll be in their 2019 Super Squad. Uh, so that's a bit of a training back and forth between us two, um, getting getting some new names through. But that's probably the only other biggest sort of signing and name that will be on the lookout in 2019 as well. Is... Augustine Pillar. No, no, no. Tony Pulu. No, for... no, no, I was getting excited for a second. No, no, no. There. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Augustine... sorry. He's amazing.
0: Yeah, yeah. Tony um, Pulu. Tony Pulu is yeah. pretty handy too, to be fair. Um, but yeah look uh, we t- we tend to get a few of these guys from New Zealand that couldn't quite cut it at super rugby level for the Kiwi team so they end up coming across to us um, we saw that with Garden Bashup, who somehow is, is now signed by the Kiwi team so he's he's managed to get there eventually um, but yeah it's generally the other way around we saw it a bit with Toby Smith as well um, moving back and forth but it's um it it comes i guess it brings up the argument again that should we be looking at super rugby having a more more fluency in terms of players from different countries moving between teams within super rugby or do you think that would just be counterproductive towards teams at a national level that's that's the interesting thing i actually think if they were to do that and allow guys move wherever they please within Super Rugby and still be able to play for the national teams, I think it would ultimately benefit New Zealand the most.
1: I don't like know It will I make Super rugby, rugby as as a whole a lot stronger, but whether that yeah. helps us in the national competition or not, uh, that's a problem. Which is the depends. ultimate goal probably at the
0: moment to make the Wallabies as strong as they can be because that's the kind of
1: flagship yeah, that's, product. Yeah, that's how you... That's how you score your overall sort of seasons in any case. That's all right. Um, The only other news that uh, it's good to see, the Bledisloe that's organised for Perth next year out um, in that new stadium uh, is already really close to selling out. I think of the 60,000-seat stadium, there's only about 2,000 seats left, um, and that's sort of three or four days after opening ticket sales. So... Still nine months ahead, so you'd expect it to be an absolute sellout. So great to see the people of Perth and Western Australia um, taking hold of this opportunity to have a bloodslow game in that new stadium, um, which should be something good to see, despite them sort of um, feeling a bit shunned by Australian rugby after losing the force uh, last year. And we still haven't worked out whether Sydney gets another one of these games, have we? The schedule hasn't come out yet, so... No, so we don't know about the Rugby Championship as yet, um, but with the proposed constructions going on next year, uh, it's seeming less and less likely that Sydney's going to host a Wallabies International for 2019. Which might be the first time
0: that's happened for a while, actually. I I mean, you can understand it. It kind of makes sense to grow the game um, when when we have given up the force to some extent in Super Rugby, so... Hopefully they do get that sellout and it's gonna. Hopefully we can get a win, you know, on Australian soil against the All Blacks. That would really kind of impress people. So we'll have to see how it goes, but yeah, and that's the first um, step it looks to, like,
1: towards getting a regular game versus the All Blacks in Perth. If you start winning there, it becomes a yeah. becomes a stronghold, a ground to to really bring the All Blacks to to make them feel um, not welcome. Probably a lot more foreign for them going to the um, west coast and going to Perth compared to going to somewhere like uh, Brisbane or or Sydney where they have a huge amount of support. Yeah, or even Melbourne.
0: I think, you know, Perth, You they're used to seeing, they used to have Wallaby South Africa games there yep. for a while because um, there is quite a big South African community there in Perth. But look, it's good for rugby. I think that stadium looks really amazing and it, getting a, a high caliber game over there that's not AFL is, is really important as well. So I think it's a good option, particularly when these stadiums in Sydney are being rebuilt.
1: So that's pretty much all we need to cover today. We'll be back next week with a full preview of all uh, the internationals as the Wallabies kick off their official spring tour versus Wales. But obviously there's those few international games this weekend to keep your eyes out for and hopefully catch if you're up in the early hours on Sunday morning. Uh, Otherwise, guys... Make sure to follow us on those social media pages on Instagram at Running Rugby Podcast. And remember, guys, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, uh, and for those of you Android lovers that uh, may not have those, we're also on Stitcher. So plenty of, plenty of opportunities to tune in and have a listen. But we'll be back next week. As I said, we'll be joined again by Leo and bre- breaking down all these games and looking forward to hopefully a successful spring tour. But until then, guys, tune in for some of these games and keep on running. Run.